Should I say it? Huh? Marshall? It's not bad for a running back. <laughs> we good? That's a drop to Mike. Get out of here. Welcome back to Ravens Recap. Yesterday, the Ravens went into Cleveland and got revenge for their most recent loss. Their most recent loss being all the way back in September, which is surprisingly even further away from us than the last time the Baltimore Orioles lost after (laughs) their season ended in September. But Ravens took care of business against an opponent that they should have swept this year, but didn't. But for the first time in Ravens history, these guys are going to have the number one seed in the AFC playoffs. Woo, woo. Yeah, it was pretty great to see another Ravens victory. Although, when did the plane land, guys? We were talking about that. Did it get there on time for the game? Or were like some holograms of the Ravens playing for the first 28 minutes? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It certainly seemed like it. A couple missed opportunities in the first half. Looks like the offense kind of took a little bit to to get going. They had a series where they went for it on fourth down, couldn't convert there. They had a fumble, one we actually haven't seen too much of this year. It was on a handoff with Lamar and Ingram, and it just kind of fell to the ground, and a Browns player was able to get on top of it. That kind of killed momentum for that one drive that we had going. And then um, a couple more punts here and there, and then finally, at the two-minute warning, Lamar and Co. just were just like, you know what? Hey, we got to score, and we got to score now. And suddenly, into the half, we're up 14-6. It was crazy. Yeah, we had some positive fumble regression there. Everyone was talking like, oh, they never do that. And I was like, well, they were due. Just like you're, <laughs> you say that guys are due to get a touchdown, we were kind of due for a fumble. So it's all good. It was cool that uh, we got out of the way, got out of our system. Now we have another thousand handoffs to do before uh, <laughs> <laughs> before a fumble. <laughs> yeah. And I know we've mentioned it before, but it still bears repeating that that was a big thing coming into this season that... We wanted to see improvement from Lamar. There was questions with his ball security last year, and I'm pretty sure it's only the second fumble he's lost all year. So yeah, the Browns actually were able to capitalize on that short field right after the fumble. But the thing that was kind of crazy about it is I kind of felt like they were playing the Ravens playbook because they were able to extend drives by using the fourth down. They were able to manipulate the other team in in which was us in this case to make a mistake to extend the drive by drawing off off sides with a hard count they got some flags in their favor and they were able to then score and we was the first time we've been down in forever but the only way that you could tell was the browns playing and not us is that the pat was missed afterwards <laughs> granted we saw one recently but just <laughs> just a subtle dig <laughs> yeah no i mean like you said they they played Ravens football for a bit there, but it just also felt like the game was was never in danger of being that unexpected loss. I mean, I was just waiting for that drive that they did get right before the, the end of the first half. Just each drive they had, it's like, all right, they're going to do it now. They're going to do it now. It's just like we were expecting that to happen, and it did. And once they it did happen, the game was Baltimore's all the rest of the way. Tony Romo tried to make it seem like Cleveland had a chance. He did a very good job, I guess, from a CBS ratings perspective of trying to make it seem like there was some intriguing (laughs) storylines in the second half. I don't know if you guys listened to the 
to the commentary during that game. And Tony Roma does say a lot of things that are, are insightful during the coverage, but it was like every time the Ravens had a negative play, he's just like, oh, well, the Browns, they can still do it. The, the other games are going their way. They might make the playoffs. Let's see. <laughs> hey, well, I tell you what, they had pretty much everything else go right, except they couldn't win their game. So they can't blame anybody else but themselves for you know getting bumped out of the playoffs here. Chris, you were pretty excited about that. <laughs> you were super hyped to see them get bumped out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I've we kind of talked about it last week with the prediction episode. Like, I've I've just had like a bad experience. I think with a lot of Browns trolls this year, and it just it, it's a a nice. <laughs> Nice vengeance, I'll say, to get this victory to to kick him out and uh, you know grab the one seed. It, it was it was a great victory for us. Yeah, but just to go back to that second drive where Ingram and Lamar had a bad exchange, led to a fumble. They panned to Lamar on the sideline, and he looked so mad and so focused. He was just staring at the field, and I was like, "Oh, you just got him mad." <laughs> You got you got Lamar angry. You made the bad you're not gonna angry. like angry Lamar. <laughs> I was like, you're not gonna like angry Lamar. And it took another possession or two to get him going. But once he did, it was over. And I think it was funny because it was kind of just a delayed Houston game, right? Remember the Houston game, first quarter, no scoring, teams kind of not doing much, and then they ended up scoring. What was it? Forty one points. In Pretty the short, remaining, yeah. Three quarters, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So we basically scored 31 points in 32 minutes of game time. That's right. So um, I, I recorded that we had three touchdowns in nine minutes of actual game time. I mean, once we we found our gear, we didn't let up. Yeah, and really just starting that second half strong. So after catching light at the end of the first half, to just go that second half and just take almost exactly the entire first half of the third quarter in that yep. drive just have a methodical drive and play Ravens football which they hadn't been playing from majority of the first half and just reestablish that okay yeah we can still do our thing in a game that didn't start out exact way we would want it was definitely a very good sign to see right Let's talk about those two drives at the end of the half, too, because I think there's a lot of cool stuff there. I mean, number one, this is one of the few times I think that we've seen the Ravens play from behind and not only just play from behind, but also show off their quick strike offense. And both of those things are just just amazing to see, you know, especially as we're just going into the playoffs here, because we know that the level of competition is going to be higher. The games are going to be harder. They're going to be more close. So having those abilities to be able to do that kind of stuff is absolutely crucial for for making our playoff run and I still couldn't believe it man how we were able to do that I I think the the first score was definitely just us I think executing very well I I still cannot believe that the the Browns just don't know how to cover Mark Andrews you know it, <laughs> it was just amazing how he was able to get that wide open it looked like the safe there was a one deep safety he must have rolled toward Hollywood or the other side of the field and Mark Andrews got behind his guy and and boom uh, you know he, he scores so quickly but um I'll say I think we definitely got some help from the Browns to be able to get that possession back before the end of the half because I don't know if yep. you guys saw but they had three pass plays in a row and 
there was like no time taken off the clock and we had plenty of time to go back down and hit that second score again, which was, you know, I, like we've said, it's huge. Absolute majestic drive by the MVP. Absolutely. And that defensive drive that Chris is talking about, that whole drive, in addition to poor play calling by the Browns, was also brought to you by uh, a good friend of the pod. By friend, we mean we love talking about this guy. He hasn't visited us yet. <laughs> right. Chuck Clark. <laughs> I mean, we got it in the notes here. On first down, Humphrey jarred the ball loose. It was up in the air. Clark just missed the interception there. And then he tipped the pass that Baker threw off some pressure by Bowser. And then on third down, he just bullied Kareem Hunt and stuck his hands up and and tipped the ball again. And just like that, Ravens get the ball back, all courtesy of Chuck Clark. Yeah. I remember watching that series live, actually. That was probably one of the few series that I was able to watch live. It's kind of hard being able to, you know, having to watch on your phone. But, but, um, but yeah, I, I took note of that. I was like, wow, holy crap. Clark was in on every play. Man, that guy's going to get paid. He's so awesome. I'm so glad that we, we've uh, uncovered a gem in, uh, in Chuck Clark. He was balling out yesterday. Yeah, that was certainly his drive. And then we had that six drive by the Ravens capitalized by a touchdown i can't believe how many sideline grabs we had i know that's the way you play it but like they knew that's what we wanted and they just kept giving it to us it was just so methodical it went right down the field score another touchdown by the hopping mandrews and the best part about it did you guys catch the fact that they got booed out <laughs> like during halftime they, they booed uh Brown. i did see that yeah <laughs> They, they turn them on quick because <laughs> I think they exposed themselves. I think after that second touchdown and that crazy drive, everyone knew. Well, another thing to, to note on that last drive before the half was we saw some more contributors making plays that don't usually have big contributions. Uh, Justice Hill had a good catch out of the backfield. He took for 12 yards and got out of bounds. Really, Justice Hill kind of finally had his his breakout game that we've been waiting for yesterday I want to say he had his first touchdown later in the game first NFL touchdown 19 yards on three attempts for the rushing three catches for 32 yards not a huge amount but still I think that's his best game so far to date and then you also had you know we keep talking about how Seth Roberts is a guy they keep getting involved more he had two great corner routes that he ran to get the ball out of bounds and get some modest chunks for the offense on throws that last year those out routes were throws that that Jackson was struggling with those weren't the ones that that were exactly his strengths and now he's making those throws and we just don't really even think about it yeah definitely agree with you Peter about going back to your first point about Justice Hill he had a a pretty fantastic game today yeah not only on that drive did he had a, a catch in there but later in the second half, especially after Ingram went out with his calf injury, which we'll get to a little bit later, he had a, another couple grabs and that touchdown run as well. He got a great block from Orlando Brown and Hayden Hurst and was just able to outrun everybody else on his way to the end zone. I, I tell you what, I'm putting the notes here. This guy, I think with, a, with another offseason, I think for him to bulk up a little bit, maybe refine... Uh, some of his moves and, and lateral quickness, I think, I, I think he could be, you know, something something special for us. He's 
definitely got this breakaway speed. You can kind of see it with him playing special teams and on that touchdown run where he was just able to outrun everybody. But it's really just him needing to make those strides to be able to break off tacklers, make a couple moves while he's, you know, still kind of behind the line, you know, because as soon as he can find that hole, he can go through it. He's got that speed. It's just being able to break out is I think where he needs to make the most improvement. Well put, Chris. Peter, you were just three weeks off with your Justice Hill breakout game. He got 51 yards. That was 50 yards that you're looking for and the one touchdown. You know, we have Mark Ingram, right? Justice Hill with another year to bulk up, get a little bit more involved. We might have the Alvin Kamara, you know, that one-two punch. could be really interesting. Yeah, I could I could see Justice Hill developing into uh, kind of a poor man's Alvin Kamara. He does seem to have a similar skill set guy who does have power, but but speed and receiving is kind of the skill set you think of first with that guy. Another guy who we already know what he can do, who had a good sighting today when uh, to spell Ingram and then a bit when Ingram went down, uh, Gus Edwards, 12 carries for 66 yards and only 5.5 yards per carry. I say only 5.5 because with every the other four, three runners over six yards per carry, he was the the underperformer on, on the day. <laughs> but yeah, Edwards continues to look good when he's called upon by the Ravens. Really hoping that this calf injury, though, isn't too much to Ingram because as good as Edwards and Hill are in relief, I don't think they're that just the two of those guys alone are a, are a replacement for Ingram. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the good news is that it looks like it's a minor to moderate calf strain. Harb said that it would probably be likely that he would return in the playoffs. Definitely agree with you, Peter. You know, we would like to have all of our guys at full strength. From what we've seen from Gus so far, you know, he could take the workload, but I mean, we just got those two guys and, and really even behind Edwards and Hill, we really don't have anybody else, so we'd prefer to have everybody at full strength. The one thing I wanted to note about Edwards as well, aside from him having a pretty good game, like you said, is uh, there was one play in uh, the fourth quarter that uh, I, I just love watching this play. It just it made me laugh every single time I watched it. But <laughs> Gus was running up the middle, and he ran into a, into a couple of tacklers, and uh, it looked like he was going to get stopped, and and Yonda kind of behind him and notices that he's he's stuck there and he just kind of goes up and then shoves him <laughs> just shoves him forward and uh edwards is able to just kind of like stumble forward for an extra three yards and <laughs> and then after edwards gets up he and yonder just sort of high five and he'd be like he's like yeah did you push me like yeah he was like well <laughs> thanks for doing that <laughs> just another uh awesome veteran play from from yonder of just having the you know the awareness to uh you know make sure that we picked up those few more yards yeah yonda is definitely a fun guy to watch i love watching him when i watch the replay of the games as we say every week like watching and appreciating what the o-line does during the actual live game is is so tough because like unless you're you're watching like the running back follow the the pulling guard or a rusher is coming into to frame near the quarterback like you're following the ball it's so hard to watch the offensive line but yeah, Yonda's been having an excellent year, and he just plays with such fire. Like, I guess it gets overshadowed because of the position he plays, but I don't think there's that many, too many Ravens I can think of who've 
who've played with more passion than that guy has. Yeah, he's a great leader on this team. I do want to talk about another guy with passion. Took us long enough to mention his name, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> During the eighth drive, man, he got so upset, and I don't even know why. <laughs> he got, there was a couple times he had big plays, and he got upset afterwards. I'm not quite sure why. But this eighth drive had a lot of things to get upset about. It's the one where Ingram got hurt, and then Lamar got gimpy. Mark Andrews got gimpy. All the gimpy. I even saw that Harbs was gimpy walking into the middle of the field at the end of the game. I was like, man, what the heck happened to our team? And the other unfortunate part about that drive is that it ended up being a field goal drive. So we got all the way down to the two or three yard line, and we weren't able to punch it in for the touchdown. So the eighth drive of the Ravens game was probably the hardest one. When that drive was happening, I was just like, all right, let's just find a way to end this game now. That was just way too many Pro Bowl skill players exiting at one time. (laughs) I just want to capitalize one last point about Lamar, at least. The guy, I don't know if you've noticed this this season, he's really elusive. He had a couple times where he (laughs) just completely made him look silly. I know we've seen it all season long, but God, he's so special. He is so special. I couldn't believe how he got out of a few of those tackles and just the way that the read option works. And you can see sometimes defenders getting pause, you know, like it looks like you, you hit your remote controller on the, and pause the TV. Like they, they stop, but Lamar doesn't, you know, and they just passes them or, or Ingram passes them because he has to hand the ball off. It's just incredibly effective. I think it's holding up to the, praise they were saying in the beginning of the season that they were going to revolutionize the NFL. I mean, this is incredible. I believe on the ninth touchdown drive, they ran for all 69 of those yards and the, and then the, uh, the penalty, they didn't pass the ball once. No, I think you're, I think you're correct on that. And yeah, I think with the jukes by Lamar, man, it's gotta be getting to the point where like defenders like see it happening. They see it's about to happen. You got to think like these guys are just like, Oh, we're about to be on a highlight video, aren't we, for like the rest of eternity? Because <laughs> like he's just making these guys look like so, st- and they have good position on on him. Like, man, there was one early in the third quarter. Man, like the linebacker had him, and he just sidestepped to the right and made what should have been a two yard loss for a sack into like a seven yard gain for a first down. And he's just doing this week in and week out. And like, we're kind of desensitized to it because like, we know he can do it, but at the same time, we're not. Cause it's just so exciting to watch. <laughs> yeah. I was watching the game with some of Rachel's family, half watching it kind of, you know, it was hard at the Christmas party, but every once in a while, I just, I would just smirk. Cause I'm like, God, he's, he's just really good. <laughs> he's just so good. And it's, it's awesome. It's so nice to see guy i would pay him all the money just blow the whole cap one man team (laughs) oh man well that's actually a a not fun question for a future pod like (laughs) how much of the salary cap is this guy because you know you know that whenever he does sign it's going to be a record-breaking deal yeah there's no way it's not (laughs) right we're getting to the same issues that we had with uh with Suggs, right i mean we were trying to sign Suggs. We were like, well, is he an outside linebacker or is he defensive end? And he was like fighting really hard for defensive end money because they made more than outside linebackers. And now it's like with Lamar, it's like, well, is he a quarterback or running back? And man, both of those are expensive. <laughs> oh, man. 
<laughs> Yo, I feel like Lamar would be the guy to sign as a running back for no other reason than to help his team. <laughs> He'd be like, we will never lose a Super Bowl. <laughs> as, mu- as, oh, much as, uh, as much as I would let, love Lamar to be able to do that, man, he, he deserves to have the bank rolled out for him. Oh yeah, no, but totally. that is a uh, <laughs> that's a problem for uh, the Ravens in about three years. For right now, uh, we are gonna ride this as long as we can. But yeah, no, another thing to bring up about Lamar, man, we need to talk about that second touchdown pass right before the end of the half. Oh my goodness, we've just been gashing this guy for all season about how elusive and amazing and awesome he is to watch. Just incredible every time this guy gets the ball in his hands. Not only as a runner, but man, as a passer, that touchdown throw to Andrews was just an absolute brilliant force from Lamar to be able to stand in the pocket. The Browns sent a blitz, had a couple guys around him. He was sort of sandwiched in between both sides of the line and was just able to keep his eyes downfield and was still looking at Andrews in the middle of the end zone. And he just sort of had to like wiggle out there and he was able to like jump on one leg and just lob it up. And I tell you what, man, if, if I would have seen any other quarterback throw that pass, I would have been like, oh, no, man, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. But uh, not not Lamar, man. He was able to get that over Demarius Randall. Andrews comes down with it as he does with all the other catches from Lamar. And, you know, I was able to score a touchdown on that play. It was just, I, I think Romo commented on there. He was like, this is why this guy's the MVP. Like, there's literally nothing. Like, Russell Wilson, yep. sorry, man. You've been having a great season. But like you're, I don't know. You're just not doing things like this guy's doing this season. Not as often. There's just no other. There's no other discussion. This guy's got to get it. As great of a game as the offense had when they were finally able to wake up, the defense actually had a pretty good game yesterday as well, keeping the Ravens in it in spite of the six points given up in the second quarter. So we were talking. Spoiler alert: uh, We all got our bold predictions right this week i think that's the first time we've all three of us have that's correct but my bold prediction was that i thought that the ravens would would bottle up the rush because i thought that's been a problem the past couple weeks is is running backs having some success off tackle against this defense and the browns obviously gashed the ravens back in week four and I didn't know how dominant the Ravens' defense would be yesterday, but they were really dominant. 20 carries the Browns had, only 49 yards given up. That's an average of 2.5 yards per carry and zero rushing touchdowns. I'd say the Ravens found something that that corrected that problem uh, from September. Yeah, man. Just had to get a couple pieces. And new D linemen, new cornerbacks, a couple new linebackers, and shuffle some other people around. And yeah, yeah, they were able to solve all those problems, at least for this game. I felt like first off, we'll we'll get to the secondary because I thought I thought Marcus Peters had a great game, but also Alec brought up some things we were talking about before the episode that are some things to give us some caution with this guy. But Demonte Pecco, he was all over the place stuff in those outside runs it felt like he only had two tackles but I feel like he was in there for a lot more plays just pushing the tackles back and and leaving guys like Fort and and Earl Thomas had some tackles against the run just free to make sure these guys only got minimum yardage it's really good game for him yeah Pecco had a great game and honestly 
he's one of those personalities I'm just starting to love on this team. I don't know if you guys had a chance to sit down and watch the Instagram live video from Marlon Humphrey, but uh, I got into work a little late watching that thing, and he just looks so happy to be there, you know? <laughs> he was like, hey, everybody, we got another win. I'm so happy. <laughs> you know, he just, he just seemed like... Everyone else on the plane, like a lot of them just didn't want to be bothered. It kind of looked like they were tired, whatever. <laughs> but he was just like, hi, <laughs> this is great. Everything's wonderful. And yeah, he played great to my eyes, like I said, and really solid play by the whole defense to stop the run. It looked like to me, the strategy was we're going to stop the run. We're going to blitz you like crazy and we're going to dare you to throw it on us. And because of the cornerback play, it mostly worked. <laughs> well, with Pecco, man, I think one of the reasons he's so excited the dude spent a decade in Cincinnati. <laughs> right. That's right. And sure, he was in Denver for two years, but I don't really think he had, it was kind of off years for Denver. So this is by far the best professional football this guy's ever experienced. Like, he was unsigned for half the year, probably thought his career was over, and then he gets a call from DaCosta being like, do you want to join the Lamar revolution? I'm sure he was just like, <laughs> hell yeah, do I want to join? <laughs> no, I'm already so in Baltimore. Actually, <laughs> It actually didn't quite outwork that way. He was on the Ravens podcast the other day. Mm -hmm. yep. And it turns out we worked him out and they couldn't come to an agreement on price. So then they went away. And then after the injuries, they uh, they made it happen. <laughs> so he really? wasn't as quick to get on the Lamar train as he should have been. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, it's definitely worked out for him in the end. Now, at that time, they hadn't won as many games, you know? Yeah. It was, I think, after the Michael Pierce injury, right? So that was... Was it week six? Something like that. But yeah, I, I also listened to that podcast as well, Alec. It was it was pretty good. And yeah, I agree with you, man. He's just he's one of those guys who's just extremely happy to just to be here, just being able to contribute. You know, it's awesome to see that from those guys too, because, you know, on the D line, on the O line, you know, these guys, they don't get the love. They don't get as many stats as, as people are gonna look at, but they're just happy to go out there and, you know, stuff the run and, and make holes for running backs and it's it's good to see that you know even though they're not praised as much as they should be you know they're still just having fun playing football and uh Pecco is definitely one of those guys that's actually a really good point chris too is that particularly with the way the ravens play defensive linemen and everyone's on a rotation they don't get as many snaps a guy like williams on other teams might get a lot more snaps than we allow him to have i heard them talking about that on a film study the other day just like because of the way we rotate, it's hard for a guy like Williams, who's one of the best in his position, to get recognized. Right. I mean, unless you have somebody like an Aaron Donald who plays like almost every snap. Speaking of which, the Ravens had 12. Count them. Can't even have, don't have enough fingers for that. 12 Pro Bowlers this year. We'll talk about that next episode. I think it fits better there. But yeah. How about that, guys? That's uh, tied for... Uh, an NFL record, right? Yes, sir. Man, that's going to be a lot of slots that the NFL is going to have to fill <laughs> when that game comes around in January. <laughs> I was thinking the same that's thing. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, aside from Pecco, uh, some other people that had some really good games, LJ Fort, man, he had, I think he had a lot more snaps than he has been having the past couple of games. He had 42% of the fats. Yeah, I think the last couple of games has probably been leaning closer to between 20 and 30%. You could definitely tell that he was had a lot more snaps, at least you know by you know watching some of the tape. And man, oh man, he was making the best of it this game. He was flying all over the field. He had a couple of really great tackles in there. He almost could have had two interceptions 
this game, and unfortunately, the first one was overcalled because of a holding penalty. I think that was on Marcus Peters. And the second one he had, I just overturned him because it hit the ground a little bit, but man, you just have to feel for the guy. He was, he was, just seemed like he was in the right position on a lot of plays and tremendous hustle and, uh, you know, just didn't work out his way for, for those interceptions this game, but definitely his, uh, his hustle and motor were not unnoticed, at least by, by this fan. Dude, the ref should have just given this guy an interception. He hasn't had an interception since his rookie year in 2012. Like, come on, (laughs) just let the man have an interception. (laughs) Oh, actually, it's I'm looking at his game log here on ESPN. He had an interception in his very first uh, career game, but none since. Man, look at this, too. Wow, I'm looking at the defensive statistics, too. What's really strange is that LJ Fort did not register a single tackle. He only had one special teams tackle, which actually was also a really great play from him. He completely leveled the Browns returner on that play. Yeah, he didn't have a single tackle, which is just amazing because, again, I mean, you can see from just watching some of the film, that guy was literally all over the place. Wow. The other thing that's kind of incredible is that the Ravens logged zero sacks in this game, but I think the pressure got there, guys. It definitely affected Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. You know, we were talking about a couple months ago when we were at the game against Houston, how Deshaun Watson is a quarterback that, that holds on to it for too long. Baker definitely is the opposite. He holds on to it for or gets rid of it too quickly. Like there were definitely some plays yesterday where he th- threw the ball early and overthrew a guy who wasn't quite open yet. And uh, then there was that play where he got his own guy hurt as well as Marcus Peters because he threw the ball early. And like Peters just tried to get out of the out of the way. You saw he ducked down and unfortunately collided with uh, the tight end. It might have been Demetrius Harris. I'm not sure. But it wasn't the pass rush's best game, I would say, as well. Uh, Jalen Ferguson and Tyus Bowser didn't get as many uh, pressures as they had in weeks past, I felt. But one guy who definitely did was Matt Judon. He was in the backfield quite a bit. And again, no sacks for that guy, but... He was very close, several plays. Right. I'm really liking some of the packages that we have for him where we put him in that mic spot, and we have Bowser and Jihad Ward and Jalen Ferguson all on the field at the same time. Just be able to get him nice matchups. Basically, wherever Judon sees, you know, there's an opportunity for him to either cut across, you know, maybe the guard or the center or something, or maybe just go one-on-one against a guy who's free. You know, be able to get him those opportunities to, you know, get those one-on-one matchups because, I mean, the guy's got the talent to be able to win one-on-one. The problem is, you know, just getting in that position to be able to get him one-on-one. But yeah, like you said, Peter, I think he had a pretty good game. All things considered, though, I mean, fortunately for us, I mean, I think I think the game plan was pretty solid. I mean, we came in there determined to not repeat the same result that we had week four. You know, and that was Chubb and Hunt. Like those guys are going to be locked down, and if we can lock them down, then we, you know, then we can handle Mayfield. And you know, they were able to execute on that. You know, it was a pretty perfect game plan. You know, all things considered, from the defense, if you had to ask me, another guy who had a really good game again, a guy who was added halfway through the season was I felt like Marcus Peters had one of his better games yesterday. Odell Beckham 
did not have a good game receiving for these guys. And Peters wasn't the only guy guarding him, but yeah, he wasn't getting anything when Peters was on him. Uh, he had that great play early in the second quarter, I believe, when Mayfield tried to throw the deep route out of the, the Browns' end zone. And Odell got behind Peters, but Peters never got beat on that play and brushed the ball aside uh, with his fingertips. Yep. That was yeah. an excellent play yeah, right there. I remember that one. That was a really good play. That play was one of those that I didn't see live because of how my viewing worked out. But even though I knew the outcome of that drive, because I knew they wouldn't score, I still was a little nervous. I was like, oh, <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> even though I knew what was going to happen, I was I was a little nervous about that play when I was rewatching the game. Yeah, it's a great play there by Peters. Humphrey also, I mean, well, week in and week out, Humphrey has, has a great game. It was interesting to see, like, the Browns really attacked Jimmy Smith. Like, I don't think Jimmy Smith had yeah. a bad game yesterday. I don't think he had a good game either, though. He was just giving up a lot of a lot of short passes underneath. Had a couple couple penalties that were questionable, but at the same time, like I kind of see why the refs did throw the flag. And obviously, there's someone this, these teams have to go and attack. But it's interesting to, to see that that Jimmy Smith has kind of become the weak link at the moment. Yeah, Jimmy got hit with that bad flag too that we challenged and the refs don't have the courage to say, yeah, we were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That PI call uh, in the end zone. Yeah. I mean, I believe that was the same drive that uh, Beckham got his touchdown. Correct. Yeah. Later on, he beat Peters on that play, by the way. Right. He, I was going to, I was going to say, yeah, Peters pretty much had a good game. He did let up that one touchdown, but if, you know, if Jimmy didn't commit that penalty, you know, if that flag wasn't called, then, you know, Peters wouldn't have been in that position to, to have to cover Odell one-on-one on that fade route. But yeah, I, I think it's an interesting point you though, bring up Peter. I don't look at it too badly to let up a lot of, you know, underneath throws, you know, because I think the main thing from the corners is, you know, that they can't get beat, Right. So, you know, you can have a, you know, a couple five yards, but as long as you're making your tackles and you're not allowing yards after the catch, for the most part, I think the corners would probably, you know, be comfortable with that performance. And aside from that, like, you know, Jimmy had some of that. He didn't let up too many plays, but I mean, I counted at least three flags that he had on him. And, you know, even if you take that PI call out, which I, I agree was definitely questionable. He had another illegal contact flag and then he had that face mask, which I think was also on a third down play, which extended a drive. It, they were, they were definitely really picking on him and you know, he, he's got to be able to clean those up, but I still think, you know, we're going to be in a pretty good spot. I mean, Jimmy Smith's a vet. He knows how to work. You know, he'll be able to come back. I'm not sure if he's actually coming back next week for the game against Pittsburgh. We'll have to see about that. But uh, he'll come back into the playoffs and, and clean that stuff up. I do want to get back to that drive where Peters gave up that uh, corner touchdown to, to Odell Beckham. Because I don't know about you guys, but like I actually almost didn't even care about that touchdown because on the plays preceding it, first off, that drive was extended because of penalty, like you just said. And before that, the Browns were down to the one-yard line, and the Ravens just had an excellent goal line stand where on first down you had Josh Bynes and Brandon Williams just break through the line and, and get Chubb down for a one yard loss. And then the next play after that, it looked like like the entire Ravens defensive line <laughs> got through yep. the backfield <laughs> and like dropped Chubb for like a six yard loss. And 
obviously consider the opponent, but still like that's huge for a defense. You've got this team has you on the one yard line and you're able to make that stand and technically hold the team to a field goal, even though that drive was extended by penalty. But it wasn't just because that those two plays helped aid me get my bold prediction. It was also because <laughs> it was really good to see the Ravens make such a, a dominant stand right there against a team that had burned them earlier in the year. Yeah, Peter, I appreciate you bringing that up because I had the same note. The D was suffocating there. And honestly, that pass, the OBJ, you can't stop that. That's just good execution. Yeah, I mean, even even leave that week four matchup out of it too. I mean, Chubb is a premier back in this league. And not only is he a premier back, but he's also a very physical back, right? He was very, very capable of, of running in, you know, one yards at the goal line to be able to get that in there. And yeah, just for the defense to be able to stop on that on multiple plays in a row is just absolutely critical. And, uh, you know, I think the guys should be proud of, of the way that they performed this week. So we talk about how Peters got beat on that play to OBJ, and overall he had a up and down, but mostly up game. But I wanted to talk about him a little bit more because at the last family gathering for Thanksgiving, my uncle, who I respect a lot, brought up, that he doesn't want Peters back. He's like, he's a head case. He's too much. Like, he's doing great for us right now. We need him right now, but I don't know if I want him long term. I was like, I don't know about that. It's kind of crazy. I feel like he is one of the big, he was the bringer of the Renaissance, you know, so to speak, of this defensive performance. And, you know, after this game, where security had to walk by his side during the post game to make sure that he didn't do anything crazy, I don't know. I'm starting to feel the same way. I don't like having to handle a guy with kid gloves, and I wanted to talk about that on the pod. I was curious what you guys thought about Peters. Is he still a guy you want to pursue bringing back? I mean, we do have Tavon Young coming off IR, and uh, Amon also coming back from IR, the rookie this year that might turn into something. We might have other options. What do you guys think? It's an interesting conversation. Obviously, we're ta- we talked earlier about Lamar's contract and... There's other guys on this team that you're going to have to pay at some point if you want to keep them, like Judon, Stanley, Peter's contract is up at the end of this season. The way I kind of look at it is like, okay, we've got all these players in the secondary that you're going to have to pay at some point. So you've got Marlon, you got Peters, you got Jimmy and Tavon, you got Brandon Carr. Chuck Clark. Chuck Clark. This is a long list of talented guys. Some of them, like there's... Obviously, Brandon Carr, I think we've gotten lucky with his with as good a production as we've gotten from him. The guy's getting older and he's kind of exceeded his career averages with this team. Carr's not back. And then at the same point, I think Humphrey is definitely the number one guy you want to keep. And then I feel like with those two guys being the top and bottom of that list, I feel like the rest of those guys are kind of interchangeable as far as who we want to keep long term. I mean, Chuck Clark's doing great right now, but is he a one-year guy? We don't know yet. Jimmy Smith, in a different way, he has the same questions about if we give this guy another contract, and this guy's had suspensions before and injury problems. Some of those are his fault, some of those aren't, but still. And then uh, Tavon Young, this guy, very solid when he's in there, but two seasons where he's missed the entire year, and the guy's only in his fourth year in the NFL. So 
I don't know yet. I'm going to have to think more on that. I think this is a great locker room for Peters. This is a, a team where several players have come through who have had character problems in the past, and this coaching staff and front office has been able to corral that and get these guys to buy in. But at the same time, like given a big contract, which this guy's going to get a big contract making the Pro Bowl this year and with his just what his on-field production has been in the past, do you really want to give all that money to a guy that you know has the potential to go off at any moment? Yeah, I, I'd say so, Alec, I'm not sure if you if you saw this as well, but I think for some context and some of the situation about what happened with Peters at the end of the game. So do you guys recall that one play, I think it was in the fourth quarter, where a Browns player got injured along the Ravens sideline? So I think that's kind of where this stuff started. And so the, the difficulty here is going to be trying to figure out who was starting what, but it seemed like Peters was probably involved in, in some of that. It turned out that the Browns player got flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct on that one. So at least that's how the refs called it. Unless we have the audio from it and we're able to get like a better view of it. I, I don't know who started it, but I don't know, man. For, for me, like, you know, this is probably like, I think the second time that Peters has kind of had something like this. I mean, the first one was him against the Rams. Obviously, he had a chip on his shoulder from the Rams releasing him and, you know, basically in their eyes, upgrading to Jalen Ramsey. So he had a few with Jalen and obviously that game, Peters won that matchup. You know, on this one too, like, honestly, a lot of Browns players are kind of talking shit and thinking that they were the kings of the AFC North. Well, guess what? We came in this game and we showed, you know, not only we won the division, but we got the first seed. You know, we're the kings here. You guys don't have to talk trash, right? And honestly, like, I kind of like Peters for that. You can talk the talk if you can walk the walk. Totally fine in my book. He's, you know, in, in this situation, like, I would defend this guy and say that he's basically saying what all the rest of us are just afraid to say. <laughs> which is, you know, right. it's just crashing <laughs> on the other players. You know, as for did he really need the security guards for it, I, I don't know how heated this guy gets, but, you know, maybe the Ravens think that it's just it's worth the precaution just 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 in case that it might go up another level. It might have been a totally defensive thing where we were worried more about the Browns players coming after Peters and, you know, things escalating from there. I, I'm really not sure, but, you know, in my book, I'm not too worried about it. He seems like a good locker room dude. I mean, now like you brought up the Instagram live stories that Humphrey's been doing and, and you see Peter's talking, you know, he seems like a pretty chill dude on a lot of that stuff. And you don't, you don't hear any issues about him in the locker room or anything. We haven't heard any of that so far. It's really just on the field and he's super competitive and, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. I mean, Ray Lewis was like that when he was younger. Ed Reed was like that. We had Deion Sanders for a couple of years, man. I mean, we've had players like this. Steve Smith, another big one. Even Anquan Bolden was some kind of that player too. And, you know, I, I, I like, I, we need some of that swagger, right? It's something we, ha- you know, we don't have too often, you know, you don't want to have like, <laughs> you don't want to have like 53 Joe Flacco's and, you know, sometimes that guy would get heated, but most of the time he was just, you know, pretty chill Joe and kind of boring. I want to have some of that, some of that here. And so I would totally be okay with bringing Peters back. I think it's a totally interesting conversation to know whether we're going to have the numbers to actually bring him back. I think we'll probably save that for another pod in the off season, but as far as I'm concerned, I, I would definitely want to bring him back. I, I'm not I'm not concerned about, you know, any character issues or anything. 
I know we all love Joe, but man, a team of 53 Joe Flaccos would be a very boring <laughs> football team to watch. Right? <laughs> right. I mean, you got to go back. You got to go far back, man. I, I hate when people bring up and he was like, you know, saying that, you know, he was the most boring guy ever. I'm like, man, you got to go back to like 2011, 2010 Flacco. I mean, he got fired up in some of those games. He was cursing out the refs in that one uh, game against the Saints at home. He was he was pissed off in that game. You know, he could he could get fiery, but... You know, at the end of the day, for the most part, yeah, he's kind of boring Joe, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, with that, let's go into our MVPs of the game. Wait, one thing we got to say before, we won't we won't give this too much time because how much really is there to say about it, but we were mentioning last week against the Jets that the special teams play, especially coverage, was very poor. Um, however, that did not seem to be the case today. The coverage team was very good did not see many missed tackles if there was a missed tackle it still tripped up the guy and the coverage unit was there we talked about lj fort having a pretty big hit on a kickoff return and last week how that was something we wanted to see cleaned up and they did it yeah cook boomed a 60 yard punt and he even got that one that was down at the three at sideline expertise punt very good were you concerned after this game, Alec? My concerns have been mitigated. All right, good. <laughs> All right, case closed. We'll wrap that up. Now we'll go to our MVPs. Well, I'm just going to take this guy, and it, I just I figured it was just whoever got, did the MVP first was going to give it. Love the game that Chuck Clark played yesterday. We talked about that defensive drive where he basically just three and outed the Browns himself. He was around the ball several times yesterday. Four pass defenses. He did give up a touchdown. He did give up that first touchdown to Demetrius Harris. But with that aside, I feel like he played an excellent all-around game. Yeah, I think for me, I, I'm going to give mine to Mark Andrews this week. It feels kind of a an easy cop-out, but uh, you know he, he definitely deserved one this week. If I had to add a little addendum to it, I'm, I'm going to put Andrews in there for his two touchdown catches and you know just the amazing work that he did in the red zone. And then I'm, I might tack on Hayden Hurst at the end just for that block that he had, the spring Justice Hills touchdown at the end of the game. Man, he was blocking Denzel Ward for <laughs> the whole time. I, I don't know if what you guys saw, but I think it was uh, Daniel Jeremiah posted a tweet uh, it was basically like, you know, somebody should check in uh, First Energy Stadium to see if Hayden Hurst is still blocking this guy <laughs> because he had basically just continued to push him, push him out of the play and it was kind of pushing him into the opposite end zone. All around great game from, from both those guys. Yeah, my honorable mentions definitely have to go to Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. Both played great in the absence of Ingram later in the game and just well throughout the whole game. I think they both had really great games. Looking forward to what they do against Pittsburgh next week. But I'm going to give mine to LJ Fort. Recognize the effort. Two near interceptions. And just overall, good special teams play. And being a big part of why this Ravens defense has been so scary for opposing offenses the last 11 consecutive weeks now. All right. Well, that concludes our episode about this Browns game. If you want even more content, I highly encourage you to listen to Film Study. I'll be recording that tomorrow night with Ken, and we'll be going over the offense, get to gush a little bit more about Lamar, Mark Andrews, who I think won me my fantasy season in one league. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and uh, 
all the other contributors on that offense. If you want to follow us on Twitter, reach out at Ravens underscore recap. You can email us as well. Feedback at ravensrecap.com. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. It's almost the playoffs, guys. Get excited. Well, let me give you a secret. Always get you something. Need something? Get myself something? Yeah, yeah. Nobody know what you want but you. Always get you something. So you won't be sitting around. I don't want you sitting around at Christmas mad because you didn't get what you want. I want you to get what you want. I want a Super Bowl, so Santa Claus need to deliver that to me. I'll be satisfied. You see how I set you up for that? Boy, that was beautiful. Yeah. You went, yo, you did what I wanted you to do. You won a Super Bowl. That's what I'm talking about. Right, right, right. Yeah, no hey, hey, God bless you, man. You take you care, too, man. man. Appreciate, Appreciate that, you, dog. Yes, sir. Keep on changing the game.